The following may contain satire that will offend absolutely everyone. I want to apologize in advance for the fact that I don't care. Legal scholars have invented a new party game in which they read the latest opinion of Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts and try to determine what, if anything, it means. The Society of Lawyers trying to figure out what this gutless wonder is rambling on about, or Slatvowagra, as it's commonly known among legal scholars after a couple of drinks, then publishes the transcript of the opinion along with their notes written in the margin using excrement and rotten tomato juice. Roberts' latest opinion strikes down a Louisiana law that required abortion clinics to limit their murderous rampages to children while sparing the lives of the women seeking abortions. The majority determined that the law placed an undue burden on psychopathic serial killers who went to all the trouble of getting a medical degree in order to carry out their strange obsession with snuffing out the lives of helpless infants. Specifically, the law places a substantial obstacle in the way of these blood-drenched schools by requiring them to preserve the lives of the women inside whom the infants are trying desperately to hide. Roberts had dissented when a similar law in Texas was struck down, but now says that while that law shouldn't have been struck down, this law should be struck down because that law was struck down. Roberts wrote, quote, when I wrote the Texas law was right, I opposed justices who said it was wrong, and since this law is similarly right, it must be wrong, because they said it was wrong, so I was wrong when I said it was right. From now on, when I write right, read wrong, and when I write wrong, read right, unless I write wrongs, then I'll write right to mean wrong." Unquote. After crafting the opinion, Roberts stood outside the White House in his black robe, clutched his crotch in one hand, and screamed, "Appoint this, you orange bastard. Robert, say the, Robert says the obscene gesture will serve as a precedent in future nonsensical opinions. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right, back we are laughing our way through the fall of the Republic. If you have not yet subscribed to the Andrew Claven YouTube channel, please do. We did surpass 70,000, which I really appreciate. We're trying to get to 80,000 now. Please sign on. It really helps. Leave a comment. If your comment is even halfway intelligent, uh, we might read it on the air just as a counterpoint to the rest of the show. Uh, we have one comment from The Writer's Lens. The Writer's Lens writes, I used to respect you, but after hearing your commentary about major League Soccer, I must say that I deeply admire you in new ways and countless fathoms that I was unaware of or could even be possible till now. <laughs> that was my comment that nobody is watching uh, Major League Soccer, which is just the blank truth. The thing that is really on my mind a lot this week uh, are the failures of conservatism. And this is not because I blame conservatives for the leftist violence and anti-Americanism sweeping the country. I blame the leftists. But the truth is, leftist ideas about race, about economics, about sex, are all so stupid that we on the right who offer freedom, wealth, and morality must have really screwed up somewhere for their idiocy to spread as far as it has. So there are lots of things that come to mind when I think of our failures. I mentioned yesterday the cynicism of the Republican elite, the non-realistic approach of conservative intellectuals, and the sheer stinking cowardice and laziness of big-mouth cultural non-warriors. But there's something else. We spend a lot of time fighting the phony narratives of the left 
But it's not enough to say the left is wrong. We have to explain why the right is right. We need a narrative of our own. I believe in religious tolerance, but I believe in it because I'm a Christian formed by a Christian culture. Our founding religion, Christianity, is not social justice. It's not making tuna casseroles. It's not hating gay people. It has a content provided by Jesus Christ, who you may remember is the son of the living God. We should be preaching that content in the face of both leftist violence and capitalist greed. I'm a genuine philosophical anti-racist, but no one is going to help the black underclass until they start helping themselves like every other group has had to. And no one's going to change the past. It's all on them. I've always been a friend to gay people, but it isn't hateful to say that the male-female couple is the central building block of every healthy society and needs to be singled out for societal support. I support a woman's right to live any life she wants, but femininity, homemaking, and motherhood are the bedrocks of civilized human life, and if we don't uplift them, we'll go down in flames. Liberty is a great cause, but liberty depends on virtue, and sexual promiscuity, unchecked pornography, and unmannerly language and public behavior are not examples of freedom. They're threats to it. For too long, conservatism has found its all-in-all in capitalism. I'm a capitalist. But capitalism without values guts a society of everything but stuff. And that's what's happened to us. The ignorant, self-righteous, violent young people tormenting our cities and the cowardly, empty-hearted authorities bowing down to them are the creation of a culture without meaning. Money is not enough. Wealth is not enough. Even jobs are not enough. We need to remember what our country is about, and we need to sing that sermon. All right. Let us talk about Helix sleep. Now, I call it Helix non-sleep because I never sleep, but at least I'm incredibly comfortable on my Helix mattress. Helix sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preference to the perfect mattress for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a hot sleeper, or like me, a not sleeper, you will get the mattress you want. Helix sleep is rated the number one mattress by GQ and Wired and CNN called it the most comfortable mattress they've ever slept on. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin, take their two minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. I took this quiz and I, I they gave me something called the Midnight Lux. And now when I lie awake, it's way past midnight. I don't know why they call it that. Way past midnight. I lie awake. I think, wow, I am really comfortable sitting here sleeplessly. It has a 10-year warranty. It's made in America. And you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you for free if you don't love it. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. Get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash Clavin. Why not be comfortable as you lie awake thinking over the big questions like, how do you spell Clavin? It's So, So there's a preacher going around the internet. I just want to play a little bit of him. I do not know this guy's name. Uh, he, but he gave this sermon and it's now going around Twitter. Uh, it, this is cut 14. All the killing in our community ain't coming from white people. Come on, say amen if you can. We are killing one another. Our old people are scared to get out at night in their own community. They're not scared of white people. They're scared of young black boys on the street. Amen. 
<laughs> now, I, I know a lot of us, we want to concentrate on what he's saying. The fact that it's the problems in the black community have to be solved by the black community. The problems of crime, the problems of uh, um, sexual immorality, the problems of uh, drugs and all these things that no, no defunding the police or uh, white posturing is going to solve. And I think all of that is real. But what I want to focus on is just the pure gutsball courage of this guy and how easy it comes to him and the reason it comes to him. And the reason it comes to him is because he knows what he believes. He knows he believes in Jesus Christ and that is supporting him when he could go out, they could send that around Twitter and he could be canceled in a minute. He doesn't care. I try to bring guys on this show all the time. Jesse Lee Peterson, Heather McDonald, John Nolte hasn't been on in a while, but these are people who say what they think no matter what. The first time I met Jesse Lee Peterson, I was like open mouthed. I was just like, you know, because of this, just the pure unbridled honesty of the man. He too believes in Jesus Christ. You can't have that courage. And remember, courage is the first virtue, right? And this is Aristotle. Courage is the first virtue because without it, there are no other virtues. You need to have courage in order to have virtue. Courage, uh, Virtue always main, uh, involves restraining yourself and going up against a non-virtuous society. It always does that. A virtue is always unpopular. It's always anti-societal. It's always anti-social. And so it requires courage. You can't have courage if you don't know what you stand for. That's what I want to talk about, about conservatives. If you don't know what you stand for besides money, you're not going to have that kind of courage. In fact, you're going to become a coward when money is on the line, and money is always on the line. Let's take, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but it had just come out. These uh, Supreme Court decisions are released uh, in the morning just as I'm preparing the show, and I don't want to come on and just blabber about them, but I want to take a closer look at this John Roberts decision, uh, this amazing uh, uh, pro-abortion decision. I don't know what else to call it, because it's actually it's actually a bad decision. I mean, it's it was 5-4. What, what, what happened was that there was a Louisiana requirement that abortion clinics have admitting privileges at a hospital for the women in case something went wrong. Now, they do this with every, they do that with LASIK surgery. I mean, even if you have LASIK surgery, a lot of places you have to have admitting privileges at a hospital in case something goes wrong. You can get the person into a hospital right away. So they wanted the same thing for an abortion. Now, this was a law, by the way, passed by the a pro-life Democrat, the pro-life governor, and it wasn't uh, women who said anything about it. It was the abortion clinics themselves. They said this was an undue board burden on them, right? So four years ago, four years ago, a different court majority overturned a similar statute in Texas with Justice Anthony Kennedy as the guy who joined the four liberals. Justice Roberts said that that case was wrongly decided at the time. John Roberts said that case was wrongly decided. But in this case, he said, because that case was wrongly decided the way it was, this case had to be decided the same way because of precedent, right? So it's four years later, this precedent is now just embedded in Anglo-American law. It is now the bedrock. Four years ago, they made a decision that John Roberts thought was wrong. And yesterday he comes out and he says, even though that decision was wrong, it's now right because it is the precedent. That's literally what he said. Now, it's even worse than this because nobody in, on the court, except for uh, Clarence Thomas, no one on the court said that the that Roe v. Wade was endangered. Only Clarence Thomas said that. And I'll read what he said in a minute. Uh, but well, actually, I'll read what he said now. He said he said the plurality and Chief Justice John Roberts 
cast aside this jurisdictional ba- barrier to conclude that Louisiana's law is unconstitutional under our precedents. But those decisions created the right to abortion out of whole cloth without a shred of support from the Constitutional's text. Our abortion precedents are grievously wrong and should be overruled. But he's the only one who said that. And everyone else was saying, well, this is a, an undue burden on women trying to get an abortion. So really, it does not seem to me, and I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not positive of this, but it does not seem to me that Roe v. Wade, which is one of the worst decisions the court ever made, it's up there with Dred Scott. And it's not just bad because of, of what it says, that it invents, it invent, first they invented a right to privacy. And actually, I'm not opposed to that. I mean, there are rights that are not in the Constitution. There's the right to travel state to state. That's not mentioned in the Constitution. But we have a right to travel state to state. And I think there is a right to privacy implied in the Constitution. I'm not sure. We make fun of that a lot because that's when they started talking about emanations and the penumbras and all this stuff. But, you know, there are rights in the Constitution that are not enumerated. The the Constitution is supposed to enumerate the powers of the federal government, but there can be implied rights. So that that we, we shouldn't be afraid of that. But they're basically rights to be left alone. The right to be able to speak is the right to not be bothered while you're speaking. The right to worship is to not be prevented from worshiping. There's so many, all the rights in the Constitution are negative rights that are mentioned, right? And so I think there is a right to be left alone, to not be spied on, to not have the government like put a camera in your bedroom or in your house or anywhere where they can watch you. I mean, I think that there is a right to privacy. How that right to privacy takes strips the, the fetus, the unborn child of a right to life, that's where they lose me. That's where they lose me. I always think we're fighting the wrong fight on this. That's where they lose me. I do not understand why the right, a right to privacy, an implied right to privacy, because even though the right to association is not in the Constitution, it's implied, an implied right to privacy, how that strips an unborn child of his rights, I simply do not know. So it's a really bad decision all around because nobody except Thomas, who is a man in full, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but no one except him uh, stood up for against Roe v. Wade. But what Roberts did, what Roberts did is an extraordinary act of emptiness to say that a wrongly decided decision from four years ago is now so embedded in law that I have to stick with it. Here's John Kennedy, who's always great for sound bites. He's from Louisiana, Senator John Kennedy. Uh, Here's his comment on it. The chief justice today joined with the four liberals on the court to strike down Louisiana's statute. Four years ago, in a case out of Texas, same statute, same issue, the Chief Justice voted with the conservatives. Today, he voted with the liberals. He changed his vote. Uh, He flip-flopped. He flip-flopped like a banked catfish. And uh, that's why I say the process worries me as much as the result. This is why so many people think that our, our federal courts, our federal judges have become nothing but politicians in robes. Well, you know, I think there's there's a really good argument for that, that they've become politicians. And that's really what I want to talk about, John Roberts. This is what I'm talking about, about conservatism. Really, since the Reagan era, conservatism has centered on capitalism. And there was some sense in that in the Reagan era when we were fighting communists. So we were the capitalists, they were the communists, and we were kind of defined by our enemies. It has become gutted of meaning. And, I, you know, I know we love capitalism and I love capitalism and I think it's a great system. And I don't even think it is a system. I think it's just fair. Tra- it's just trading with people. It's just what people naturally do. And it's, it's wonderful. But it's obviously just like any ism without values. It's nothing. 
without a structure of values, it's nothing. It is not conservatism to be a capitalist. It is not conservatism to be a libertarian to the point where you don't understand that some values have to be in place to remain in order for freedom to remain. Look how quickly our freedoms are being eroded. They're being eroded while we speak. People are being fired from their jobs for speaking their mind. People are in danger for speaking their mind. People are committing acts of vandalism while governors and mayors nod and say, oh, well, it's a fair expression of anger, right? Look how empty this is. John Roberts, now people are always speculating about his motives. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to speculate about his motives. But the one thing I can say that's not speculation is he can't possibly believe what he wrote in this opinion. He can't possibly believe that a wrongly decided decision from four years ago is strong enough precedent that stare diseases kicks into place. And forever after, that's the way these, these cases have to be decided. That He can't possibly believe that. No rational person could possibly believe that. After all, there used to be laws permitting slavery. Where are they? They're gone. You know, there used to be laws protecting children, the lives of children. Where are they? Things can be reversed. Important decisions can be reversed. Important uh, 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 precedents can be reversed. This is a nothing, a nothing precedent, just something, as I say, that applies to people who have LASIK surgery. Why shouldn't it apply to people who have an abortion that they have admitting rights? Maybe it was a tactic. It probably was a tactic to, to help the pro-life forces. But still, that doesn't mean that John Roberts believes what he said. And it's part of a pattern. This is part of a pattern on the way he acts, right? He, he is the guy who said that the insurance mandate was a tax, even in Obamacare, where they taxed you for not buying insurance. So the government suddenly had the right to fine you. They had the right to fine you for not doing something. Oh, you didn't, t- you didn't go out and get exercise. That's going to be bad for your health. We're fining you for that. Once the government has that power, they have the power to force you to do anything they want. They specifically said when they passed that law that this is not a tax. John Roberts changed it because he did not want to override Obamacare. On the, uh, the other day on uh, immigration, right? Um, Obama had a, an illegal uh, executive order allowing the DACA people to stay when Donald Trump said he was going to overturn it. They said, no, 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 you can't do that because your procedure is wrong. John Roberts said your procedure is wrong. Clearly, this guy does not want to come up against the political forces of the Democrats. And remember, the Democrats have written him threatened notes. Remember that note they wrote him on the gun case where the Democrats, Kirsten Gillibrand, it was uh, Sheldon Whitehouse was the big one, Maisie Hirano from Hawaii. They wrote him that note saying the Supreme Court is not well. Perhaps the court can heal itself before the public demands it be restructured to reduce the influence of politics. That was a clear threat that they were going to pack the court if John Roberts didn't toe the line. Nice court you got here, John. Be a shame if anything happened to it. John Roberts is playing politics. And of course, he thinks that he's showing the Democrats by bowing to the Democrats. He thinks he's showing them that he's not political. He's showing them that politics works. He has become an empty man. What philosophy does he have? What does he believe? What does he think? How does he think the law should be interpreted? He can't possibly believe that a wrongly decided decision from four years from now is now rock solid precedent. No, he's afraid of overturning Roe or threatening Roe. He can't possibly believe that Obama has the right to pass an EO, but Trump doesn't. He can't possibly believe that. It's because he is an empty man and there's too many empty men on the conservative side. Way, way too many.
All right, let's talk about Candid Co. While you're staying at home is a great time to fix your smile. So when you're on Zoom or you're on Skype or whatever, and you see that little box with your picture on it, you think, wow, that guy has a great smile. Ooh, it's me. Candid Co. can help. Unlike braces, Candid Clear Aligners are comfortable, removable, totally invisible, so you can transform your smile without anyone noticing a thing. Plus, your treatment is prescribed and monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist. That's not true at other companies. Candid only works with orthodontists, never general dentists. That means your treatment will be designed by an expert in tooth movement. With other remote clear aligner options, you may never hear from a doctor at all as you go through treatment. With Candid, not only will your treatment be designed by an experienced orthodontist, but it also includes remote monitoring by that same orthodontist throughout. So if you're ready to take the first step towards straighter teeth for a limited time, you can get started with 75 bucks off by using code Claven at candidco.com slash Claven. That's candidco.com slash Claven. Use code Claven for 75 bucks off candidco.com slash Claven, code Claven. So you'll have a beautiful smile when you ask, how do you spell Claven? There are no easy things. So this, this emptiness, this emptiness is true on when it comes to race too, right? This is something we really need to be talking about. I, I wrote a piece for the Daily Wire a while back, not that long ago, called The Racial Matrix, in which I said, we don't have a race problem in this country. We have hostility toward a certain segment of the black population that commits a lot of crime. That's what we have. You can make it in this country if you are any color, any color. People from Nigeria make it. People from Jamaica make it. People from Korea and China make it. it any color. Look, you may run into the occasional racist. It is only in these neighborhoods, these underclass black neighborhoods, that there is trouble. And that is the reason people treat innocent black people uh, badly sometimes or prejudicially because they're afraid they're a member of that class and they have no way to tell the difference. That's the problem we have. It's not a race problem. It's not a white supremacy problem. That's ridiculous. If it were a white supremacy problem, the Chinese wouldn't do so well. Chinese Americans wouldn't do so well. It's none of those things. It's not about slavery. It's not about Jim Crow. It is about the Democrat policies that have kept, that have created a patronage system that keeps the, this underclass under the heel of the Democrats, under the heel of politicians. And they don't want to give up that money. They don't. I'm talking about the politicians now, not the people in the neighborhoods. The politicians don't want to give up that money that they distribute that buys votes and buys power. And they don't want to give up the patronage of hiring people to fill, fill all all those bureaucratic roles that keep this system in place. That's the problem we have. And if we don't talk about that, we're not talking about anything. It's not blaming black people for being poor. It's not blaming black people when you're poor and then you get all this dysfunction that comes out, the drug use and the uh, single parent families. That comes out of the poverty. The poverty, though, is created by the Democrat prop. Uh, policies and created by the Democrat patronage system. That's what we're fighting against. And if we don't have the courage to talk about that, we're going to have all this craziness as they continue to do stuff that has no effect and helps nobody. In California, they got rid of the laws uh, of the California Civil Rights Initiative. There was a phrase, the state shall not discriminate against or grant preferential treatment to any individual or group on the basis of race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin in the operation of public employment, public education, or public contracting. Californians voted for that because they were against affirmative action. Everyone should be against affirmative action. It is one of the things that singles black people out, that says you're different from everybody else, that says you can't make it, you need the government, uh, you need a kindly Democrat overlords to help you up the ladder. You're so crippled, you're so weak, you're so uh, 
uh, childish that you can't help without a Democrat to hold your hand and give you that extra boost. And now when you get a job, everybody thinks you got it unfairly because of affirmative action. It's a bad thing. So they eliminated to keep it in place. They eliminated equal justice under the law. So so all of this stuff. It just makes people more and more frustrated as nothing they do helps because it's not meant to help. It's meant to keep black people under the heel of the Democrats. That's what it's there for. That is the reason it's there. So they have to do everything else. So listen to some of the stuff that's coming out. The global opinions editor of the Washington Post. This is the global opinions editor. She sent out a tweet that said the lies and tears of white women hath wrought the 1921 Tulsa massacre, the murder of Emmett Till, exclusion of black women from feminist movements. 53% of white women voted for Trump. White women are lucky that we're just calling them Karens and not calling for revenge. This is a woman named Karen Atiyah, the global opinions editor of the Washington Post, saying the white women are lucky they're not calling for revenge. She took the tweet down. She damn well should take the tweet down. But what kind of, I mean, that kind of hatred that's coming out and that is being excused and the fact that the Washington Post isn't firing her, nothing's going to happen to her. Never mind her. CBS This Morning, Gail King, right? This is one of the top media posts in the country. She had D.L. Hewley, the comedian actor, comes on. He's got a book called Surrender White People, Our Unconditional Terms for Peace. And Gail King said, I love the title. That's what she said. Now, Gail King is in a position where she represents Americans. She is on the public airways in a major, major anchor woman role. She represents everybody. She is there to entertain and inform everybody. How if a white anchor woman had a, a white author on who had surrender, whose book was called Surrender Black People, Our Unconditional Terms for Peace, Surrender Black People. Oh, I love the title. I love the title. How, you know, I mean, really, that this kind of hatred is really infecting people because they can't see straight. They're not allowed. No one's allowed to tell the truth. You get fired and canceled for telling the truth. So nobody's going to say we don't have a race problem. We have a problem with this small segment of society, 7% of the people who commit 50% of the murders. That's a problem. And again, not entirely blaming them. Obviously, you have to blame the individual who commits the murder. Everybody's personally responsible. But I'm not entirely blaming the dysfunctions of poverty on the poor. What I am saying is this is 55 years of the same policies. Change the damn policies. Don't give us more of them. And people are filled now with this hatred and this kind of just absolute uh, in insanity. Instead, they're talking about defunding the police. I love this. They're talking about defunding the police. And people keep saying, well, defunding the police, you know, doesn't mean defunding the police. Here's Ocasio-Cortez, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Defunding police means defunding the police. It does not mean budget tricks or funny math. It does not mean moving school police officers from the NYP budget to the Department of Education's budget. You know, in New York now, I told you this yesterday, they're killing people en masse. They've gone from the they've gone from the 2000s back to the 1980s like that in a finger snap because of Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio says he's cutting a billion dollars from the police budget. Here is the so now outside of City Hall, they've, they've this established a chaz, you know, another one of these areas. And they're just protesting this. And here is a spokeswoman 
for the Democrat Socialists of America. And here is what she said about cutting a billion dollars from the police as the city is now just a gunfire zone. It's like Chicago. It's become like Chicago overnight. Bill de Blasio's New York is Chicago overnight after destroying the great, great city built by Giuliani and maintained by Bloomberg. Bill de Blasio has built a hellhole of gunfire. And here and now he's cutting a billion dollars out of the police budget. And here is what the spokeswoman for the Democrat Socialists of America says. When we talk about defunding the NYPD, the other part of that is to fully fund social services. I can tell you out of the encampment, it's obvious. We have some of the most vulnerable members of our community coming out to have their voices heard and, part- and participate in this encampment. And it's clear that what they're saying they need is services, mental health services, social services, uh, adequate housing, you know, affordable health care you know, the quality education, these are the things that the community is crying out for. And so it's not good enough to move money around and fancy accounting tricks. It's not good enough to just defund the NYPD even. We have to meet that with um, services that are fully funded as well. They literally want to abolish the police. They could see the signs. If you weren't watching, if just listening, there were signs, abolish the police. Uh, And of course, more dependency, more dependency on the government is going to solve the problems created by dependency on the government. More dependency on the government is going to create, solve the problems created by dependency on the government. And no one can talk about it because if anybody talks about it, the, the courts, you can be sued. You can be sued for not having enough black employees, not having enough black employees can, is not proof that there aren't enough educated black employees to do a certain kind of job. It's just proof that you're a bigot. And if you go in and you get sued for that, it can cost you billions. And if you get sued for that, and it turns out that one of your employees, maybe an executive, got in a cab and got drunk and said something racist, that can be used as evidence against you. So if you do say something racist, you're going to get fired. And once the left determines that the truth is racist, which is essentially what they have said, then you can get fired for telling the truth and then the lies win. And that's the situation we're in. And so now you get, let's hear Elizabeth Warren on this. I just want to play this for one second, Elizabeth Warren's comment. Being race conscious is not enough. It never was. We must be anti-racists. Removing the names, symbols, displays, monuments, and paraphernalia that honor or commemorate the Confederacy and anyone who voluntarily served it from military property is, in the broader scheme, only one step toward addressing systemic racism in our society. But it is an important step. Let me tell you what removing those statues is going to do, and let me tell you what becoming anti-racist is going to do for black people. Zip. Nothing. Nada. Zero. Not one thing. That is cheap virtue signaling from Elizabeth Warren, and it's what it's what they've been getting from the Democrats all these years. It's what they've been getting from the Democrats all these years. Is here's some money, go away and die, and we'll abort. And you know what? You get pregnant, we'll abort the kid. We'll abort the kid. We abort. We'll abort more black people than you can have actually have babies. I mean, that's what the Democrats have been giving them. Instead of saying, you know what, you know what, all this sexual freedom stuff, not good. It's not good. You got to have some values. And are we saying it? No, we don't go into those neighborhoods at all. We do not send our politicians into the neighborhoods with that message at all. That's why I played that preacher. He has the guts because he has the faith, because he has something inside him that he believes in besides money. It's really, that's, that's what gives him the courage to do that. All right. More on this. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> Let's talk about blink sale. You do not want to spend all your time collecting money. You have a business. You're doing something that you love. You built this business because it's something that you love. You don't want to spend all your time hunting down clients who owe you money or trying to 
create, uh, um, you know, invoices. I've, I've done this. It's absolutely ridiculous with Blink Sale. Blink Sale will help you send beautiful custom branded invoices and estimates in seconds. You can stay on top of your outstanding invoices. You can let your customers and clients pay your invoices online, and you'll even get instant notifications when a customer opens your invoice so you'll know he saw it. Forget about using invoice templates or stressing about coordinating a bunch of different software programs. Blink Sale takes care of it all. See for yourself. Try Blink Sale for free, which is pretty inexpensive, at BlinkSale.com slash Clavin. That's B-L-I-N-K-S-A-L-E dot com slash Clavin. Blink Sale. Spend less time billing and more time doing what you love if, if, and only if you know how to spell Clavin, which is K-L-A-V-A-N. <laughs> so... <laughs> If you have not yet subscribed to dailywire.com because you think it's too expensive or because you need like men, you know, uh, healthcare or something like that, come on. I mean, come on. Priorities, priorities. Uh, we have a cheap version of our, uh, of our subscription plan. It is called Reader's Pass. It's only three bucks a month. You can get the first buck, the first month for 99 cents. Uh, you'll get access to our mobile app, which is great. The articles will be ad-free and access to exclusive editorials like this one from Matt Walsh. They never, they never say me. They never say me. This <laughs> Matt Walsh has what called Activist Wants Reimagined to be our new anthem. It's the worst song ever written. Matt Walsh is 100 percent correct about that. Not, it's not the second worst song. It is the worst song ever written. Also, Daily Wire's own Ben Shapiro has a new book out called How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. I knew he was secretly evil. I knew he was planning to destroy America in three easy steps, and now he's releasing his evil plan. Oh, no, that's not what it's about. I'm sorry, I misread that. <laughs> you can pre-order your copy of Ben's new book at dailywire.com slash Ben or find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. The book covers two fundamentally different visions for America that are now on the table. One vision finds unity in shared philosophy, culture, and history. The other disintegrates our country in the name of fundamental change. Disintegrations use weapons like cancel culture to silence anyone or anything that disagrees with them. And we're seeing this in full display right now. Shapiro covers all of this ground and more. The book is called How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. And it's not a plan. It's, <laughs> it's a warning. Again, pre-order your copy at dailywire.com slash Ben, Barnes & Noble, or Amazon to get the full picture of this strange, strange moment in history. Come over to dailywire.com and subscribe. Tomorrow's the mail mailbag, isn't it? I forgot all about the mailbag. Don't forget the mailbag. you got to subscribe to be in the mailbag. Send your, uh, you go to the dailywire.com, hit the podcast button, the Andrew Claven podcast, hit that mailbag symbol and ask anything you want about religion, your personal life, politics. All my answers are guaranteed correct and will change your life possibly for the better, just possibly for the better. And we love it if you send them, them in videos, keep your videos in under one minute. Uh, they will not get preferential treatment. We will just go for the best questions. But if you have a good question and you want to say it on video and actually be on, we will play a video if it's under a minute. Come on over to dailywire.com and subscribe and all your problems will be solved tomorrow. So speaking of emptiness, and you know, let's talk a little bit about what's happening with the pandemic. All right, the Chinese flu, the Kung flu, the Wu flu, the, the yellow the yellow fever, whatever we're calling it now. Uh, I can't remember what the political correct thing is, uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll think of it eventually. Um, but but everyone's in a panic now in LA. They're going to close beaches for the Fourth of July so we can celebrate our freedom by not being free. And you know, 
what's happening is it's spreading and it's spreading among young people and nobody wants to say it, but of course it's spreading among, it's got to be, it's got to be spreading among people who went to those, those riots and those packed uh, um, protest meetings while everybody was nodding. What did they think was going to happen? What did they think was going to happen? And now they're saying, oh, Trump, it's Trump, Trump, oh, oh, Trump, it's just lies. And then they wonder, they wonder why we don't listen to them. I got to play this about Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci said the U.S. has has an anti-science bias in this country. One of the problems we face in the United States is that unfortunately, And I'm going to play Fauci in just a second. And he says, one of the problems we face in the United States is that unfortunately, there is a combination of an anti-science bias that people are, for reasons that sometimes are, you know, inconceivable and not understandable, they just don't believe science and they don't believe authority. They don't believe science for reasons that are inconceivable and you can't understand them. They don't believe science and they don't believe authority. Here is Fauci at the beginning of this pandemic, this before. When you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it because people are listening really closely to this. uh, Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better and it might even block a, a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. What a, you foolish person thinking you need a mask. You fool, you ignorant anti-science American. What's wrong with you thinking you need a mask? Here he is today. When you need to do necessary things, like go to the drugstore and get your medication, go to the grocery store and get your food, mm-hmm. that in fact you need some supplementation to just physical distancing. And that's the reason why some time ago, the recommendation was made, I believe it was Dr. Redfield at the CDC who first said that, about getting some sort of a covering. We, we don't want to call it a mask because back then we were concerned we'd be taking masks away from the healthcare providers. But some sort of mask-like facial covering, I think for the time being, should be a very regular part of how we prevent the spread of infection. <laughs> so, so let me read his statement again. One of the problems we face in the United States is that unfortunately, there's a combination of an anti-science bias that people are for reasons that sometimes are, you know, inconceivable and not understandable. They just don't believe science and they don't believe authority. It's inconceivable. It's inconceivable that they don't believe them. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> I do not think it means what you think it means, Dr. Fauci. This is emptiness. Again, this is emptiness. If we, you know, if we don't believe in the truth, if you don't believe in the truth, you can't then say, you know, it's inconceivable that people don't believe in my authority, don't, don't believe in the authority of the institutions. Our institutions are in very bad shape. They are decadent and they are empty. And we as conservatives have not spoken enough about what we need in them, you know, like it always bothers me. It, you know, you know that I've always supported gay rights and all this stuff, but it always bothers me that we have never found a way. I mean, even even if you think homosexuality is a sin, it's fine. Forty percent of the kids, according to the Salvation Army, forty percent of the kids on the street are gay or some kind of alphabet soup. 
and, and, and listen, those are probably people who've been thrown out of their homes by conservative people, right? So that can't be right. That can't be right. But certainly, certainly, there's no reason that we have to attack gay people to say that the building block, the building block of our society is a man and a woman. If we can't say that, what do we believe in? What do we believe in? You know, I mean, this, this, this always drives me crazy. It doesn't, you know, I, I've always said that just because something is, is not at the center of society doesn't mean it's bad, right? I mean, violin playing isn't at the center of society. It's a good. So if we don't, if we're empty, if we don't believe in something, what scientists have to believe in above all is science. Science is not, oh, a scientist said something. Science is a way of finding the truth and testing it experimentally. It is a way of theorizing about the truth through observation and theory and hypothesis and then testing it by experiment. Computer models are not science. The only scientific part of a computer model is the computer. That's a very nice invention of science. But just because you pour your stupid ideas into a computer and it comes out with stupid predictions doesn't make that any more scientific than any other predictions, okay? So when you say to me, when you say to me, oh, the world is going to end in 12 years unless we go back to the Stone Age and live in caves, and except for Alexandria Occasional Cortez because she's it's so important, she's going to need a, a limousine and planes to go to Davos and talk about how we can't use fossil fuels. But except for that, the rest of us are going to have to live in caves because we've got a computer model saying the world is going to end for 12 years. And then you say to me, oh, you're anti-science. You don't trust science. I actually do trust science. I trust science to be science. I trust it to be a method of finding out about the material world. When scientists, guys like Steven Pinker, come out and diss God without knowing anything about theology, that makes me distrust everything else he says. When they come out and say, you know, like, oh, I'm a scientist and there's no God. You know, I know there's no God because life is random. You know, I just think like this guy's... An idiot. He may be a great biologist, but he doesn't know what he's talking about because I have read more about this than he has. So why should I listen to him? They undermine themselves with their emptiness and with their lies. And so now, you know, you've got this whole thing. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Joe Biden has continually said that when he was taking care of the swine flu, remember the swine flu? I think it was 2009, H1N1, they said because they didn't want to be bigoted against swine, I guess. So they called it the H1N1. Killed a lot of people, but it didn't become a major, major disaster. Why? Because it wasn't as deadly as people feared it was. Ron Klain was Joe Biden's chief of staff, okay? He was Joe Biden's chief of staff, and he said he didn't, he wasn't involved in the fight against swine flu, but he was there as an observer, as the chief of staff. Here's what he said about the Joe Biden and his staff's uh, reaction to it. I lived through it as a White House staffer. And what I will say about it is uh, a bunch of really talented, really great people working on it, and we did every possible thing wrong. And it's, you know, 60 million Americans got H1N1 uh, in that period of time, and it's just purely a fortuity that this isn't one of the great mass casualty events in American history. Had nothing to do with us doing anything right. It just had to do with luck. Uh, and so if anyone thinks that this can't happen again, uh, they don't have to go back to 1918, they just have to go back to 2009, 2010, Imagine a virus with a different lethality, and you can just um, do the math on that. He was saying this in 2019 before the new virus hit, and so they can dump everything on Trump. But, you know, it, when all the press backs this up, 
they, and they all do it. They all want to blame Trump for everything. And they want, all want to elevate Cuomo, who has done such a bad job. There's still more people dying of this in New York than there are anywhere else in, in America. I mean, they're saying, oh, Texas is really on the rise. And you know, Florida is really on the rise because they want to get Republicans. Still more people dying where the love gov, the Cuomo sexual, is still uh, their favorite guy. Still more people dying in New York as the New York as New York City falls apart uh, because of the bad governance there. So when you have a press, then the press gets angry at Kaylee McEnany, the press secretary, for coming up and listing one lie after another. They say this is undermining our credibility. (laughs) You got to salute them for their sense of humor. But, you know, to bring this back to us, because we don't have any control over them. We don't really have any control over the left. The left is going to be the left, right? That's, that's why I'm not blaming conservatives when I talk about this. I'm just saying what we have to do. We have to start talking about what we believe and why we believe. It all starts with the individual. Society is, is important. The church is important. The way we live together is important. But the basic building block of life is the individual. And the basic building block of society is an individual who is a man and an individual who is a woman coming together in a relationship that is going to produce the next generation and how they're going to do it. That's the way the world works. And we should be talking about that because it's real and because it elevates people who do real stuff instead of elevating every crazy person who has a new idea about how reality is going to look that has nothing to do with that actual thing that we call reality. These are the things we need to be talking about, and we need to be talking about them fearlessly or we're done for. I got to stop there. I'm out of time. I had more to say, but I'm going to stop. Tomorrow is the mailbag. Dailywire.com. Subscribe. Uh, hit the podcast button, the Andrew Claven podcast. Hit that little mailbag symbol. Send in your questions, video questions if you got them for under a minute. And I will solve all your problems. That's a, that's a guarantee we give. We actually sign a paper uh, saying that we will solve all your problems guaranteed. And then we burn the paper and pretend it doesn't exist. But I'll be here on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review. And also tell your friends to subscribe, too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director is Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire, 2020. Public health experts lock us down again. A wealthy couple brandishes guns against rioters, and the Supreme Court burns conservatives yet again. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.